Amen. The word of the Lord. You may be seated, church. Good morning. Yes. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room. I'm grateful for you and how you lead your families, how you care for them. Coming from someone who didn't grow up with their dad in the house, you have no idea what your impact is in the lives of the people around you. So I'm grateful for each and one of you and the time that you invest with your families and just caring for them. Really, really grateful for you guys. Uh, as we get started this morning, church, is it okay if I tell you guys a story? Yeah. Yes? Sweet, I'm going to ask you that a couple of times, and so uh, hopefully you respond. Um, so the story that I want to share this morning uh, starts just a couple of years back. I was uh, on staff with a campus ministry, a college campus ministry that was called Crew in Crete at Doan. Now, I was uh, meeting with some people from my church in Crete, the Berean church there, and we're sitting down and we're talking uh, just about the ministry that I was a part of. And they asked me, they say, hey, have you ever heard of City Light Church in Omaha? And I look at them, and I'm kind of like, uh, I, I've heard of them. I don't really know a lot about the church, though. Why? And they said, well, City Light is planting a church in Lincoln. They're sending some people to plant a church in Lincoln, and uh, we're wondering, hey, if maybe you're interested to at least go check it out. And I thought, okay, maybe. And so Mariah, my wife, and I, we start talking about it, and we say, hey, let's go see what this is all about. So when August of 2016 hits, uh, Mariah walk into a building, a room full of people to hear the good news of Christ preached to 300 other people who are around us. We see clearly that the Spirit of God is moving, and we're in awe of what the Lord has done just in that morning. And, and so we start uh, continuing to attend City Light South Church, um, or City Light Lincoln Church at 28th and O, and God uses a really short, young, 24-year-old man who was preaching the Bible, telling stories about pygmy goats, and then he used another man who told me in my premarital counseling meeting that I wasn't giving enough money to the church to shepherd me, to care for me, to love me, to encourage me, an appointment of Christ, and those two men were Mo and Austin, and I've got a picture of Mo and Austin, and so... These two weirdo dudes, if you know them, uh, ha have just no desire to lift themselves high, but they just wanted to see Jesus' name be lifted high. And so for a couple of years, those men invested and cared for me in my life. They poured into me, they shepherded me, and they encouraged me to look towards Jesus. Now, after a couple of months of attending City Light Church in, in Lincoln, uh, Mariah and I decided, hey, we actually want to get plugged into the body. We actually want to be a part of this church and say, hey, we're committed to these people, and these people are going to be committed to us. So we decided to join a city group. We send an email a couple of weeks later to some guy named Nick, and he joyfully sends us an email in response inviting us over into their homes. And so when we pull up to Nick and Alicia Sherrill's house, uh, Nick joyfully opens the door welcomes us into our ho his home, and we get to meet a bunch of people who we have no idea who they are, and they sit and encourage us and care for us. And at the end of that night, uh, Nick walks us out of their home. He tells us he loves us, and, and he just shows us how beautiful it is to actually care for brothers and sisters in Christ. Nick taught me what it meant to actually be an example of brother and sisterly love through the time that I spent time in their house. And so I have a picture of Nick and Alicia. As I walked out that same yellow door, I got to see Jesus show me what his love through his people actually looked like. 
we continue to be a part of that city group and invest time with them and care for them and they cared for us in beautiful ways and I remember the day clear as day we're sitting on the back deck and we're asking questions and we're talking about marriage and I'm telling them some things that I'm struggling with in our marriage and these men look at me and I'm asking I'm like hey what do you guys think about that am I right or what and and they all kind of look at me and in a really gracious, compassionate, loving way, they all tell me no. Uh, so th- that's not the answer I was looking for, but thanks, man. And God used people like uh, Eric Knoll and Tish Knoll to sharpen me as a husband, to care for me and to tell me, hey, I- I'm not properly laying my life down for my wife. And, and so God used people in that group to encourage me, to equip me, to point me to Jesus and sh- show me, hey, this is what it means to die to yourself and care for the one who you've given your life to as well. We continue on in city group, and uh, uh, originally I used to think that Christians were a bunch of snooty people who never had any fun. But God used a man like Jason Banks to play a game called What Do You Meme to keep me laughing for five minutes on end just his hysterically at some weird card game to realize that God's people truly had joy in their hearts to, uh, to just actually be life together, to be community, to care for one another, and to always encourage each other in Christ in the joy that he has given to us. About a year after that night where we're laughing our faces off at what do you mean, that same pygmy goat preaching pastor pulls me aside to Cultiva uh, one morning to tell me about countless high school students in the city of Lincoln to tell me that there were so many kids who were far from Christ who had no idea what he had for them. And he he casted this vision to me to say, hey, would you come with us to run after kids, to preach the gospel to the lost, to see dead kids come to life in Christ and have their eternities completely changed? And we said yes to that mission. God moved and showed me that while I'm a terrible evangelist, kids still showed up on on Wednesday nights, and I got to witness Jesus save souls of a couple of students, and I got to baptize some of the most favorite people in my life. And so I've got some pictures of some different baptisms that I got to walk through and experience. This is Eli Rhodes. Eli came to church the very first Sunday we were here at this, at this building, and he walked through the doors, and I kind of just attacked him and jumped on him, and I was like, dude, do you want to hang out? And for some reason, his mom, who had no idea who I am, decided it was okay to leave me at the school parking lot playing soccer with a stranger for multiple hours. But God moved in such a way that Eli professed Christ. His whole eternity was changed, and now when he's online gaming, he shares the gospel with people who are all across the world. Praise the Lord for that gift. Now, the next baptism that we have, this is Hannah Deering. Hannah Deering realized that her faith was her own faith. It wasn't about her parents, and it wasn't what God was doing through her family, but Jesus came to save her from her sin, and that he was her king, and she gave his life to him to the point to where she realized she had to step away from a relationship to step into a relationship with Jesus because she truly wanted to follow Christ, all, all him, and give him all of the glory. I have another story of baptisms to come. Uh, next one. So this picture is kind of smushed, but this is Lainey and Allie Fanton. Lainey and Allie used to believe that church was something boring for adults, that they came to listen to some guy read a Bible. But through the preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ, Lainey and Allie realized that Jesus was not about people to sit in a snooty, stuffed-up room, but a God who came to save and redeem them, to give them everlasting life, and to give them a relationship with himself. And so they proclaimed to Jesus through baptism, and we got to witness and celebrate the fact that Jesus brought 
brought new life to more students. I praise God over and over again for the stories that he wrote in that ministry. And then, friends, for the last three years, I got to be uh, just in a room and shepherded and cared for by one of the most handsome men who could ever be, and his name is Ricky Kennedy. (laughs) Did you guys like the rhyme there? I worked pretty hard on that. Um, But Ricky has uh, cared for me and loved me and encouraged me in so many different ways. He's taught me what it means to actually sit with his kids, to disciple them, to encourage them, and to pursue Christ with them. He's taught me what it means to lay down his life for his wife. He's taught me what it means to be a humble servant of Jesus Christ and to just say, Jesus, it's all about you. It's not about me. And in March of 2020, I got to stand back with one of my best friends in the entire world and watch Jesus do something I could never never imagine. I could never ask for, and I can never dream up, and Jesus is not done because he worked in a miraculous way that this story is still continuing to this very day. Friends, in March of 2020, we got to plant City Light South Church as an autonomous church. And I've got a couple of pictures of our very first gathering where we got to eat breakfast together and rejoice in what Christ has done. And over the last year and a half, not even a year and a half, we've got to see Jesus work through a worldwide pandemic where souls were changed for eternity, where we got to watch baptisms again over and over again. I've got one of Ella who the same story realized that her faith was not her parents' faith, but it was her own faith where Jesus moved and saved and redeemed her. And she knows that he is her king her God who loves, for her, who loves her dearly so much. And this is a story that God has written over the last year and some change. That Jesus is on the move. He's pursuing people. We're building rich community and seeing that the Spirit of God is doing an amazing work because it's not about us, but it's all about Him. And it's not about a person who stands on a pulpit, but it's about the power of the Spirit of God moving before us. And we get to joyfully watch and witness what God has done. And we're just asking Him to do more and more and more time and time again. Friends, Jesus took me through just a a crazy stretch over the last three years where I've got to just witness him change my life personally. And I've got to witness him change your lives as well. Jesus took this immature 24-year-old man, boy at the time, still boy probably, who barely knew and understood what grace was. And now I get to celebrate and rejoice that I'm still learning what grace is. And celebrating and rejoicing and seeing how powerful and how amazing our God is to see how Jesus is on the move over and over again. And so, friends, this morning in the book of Acts, we're going to see that the Spirit continues to move and use God's people. Because what brings God's people together is what sends them out. He gathers his people, and then he scatters them to go to the ends of the earth. This morning, we have the privilege of seeing God's people together and God's people at work together. So we're going to take this a little differently this morning, but if you would, uh, please turn to Acts chapter 20 in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we've got free ones that are in the back of the bookshelf that you could have, you could take home, it's yours for the keeping. But we want you to see that what we preach is not something that I'm just saying, but this is God's word, and I'm talking about what he told us and what we've seen him do. So please turn to Acts chapter 20, and I'm actually going to start us in verse 7. Acts 20 verse 7. It says this, On the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where uh, where we assembled. 
And a young man named Eutychus was sitting at the window sill and sank into a deep sleep as Paul kept on talking. When he was overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was picked up dead. But Paul went down, bent over him, embraced him, and said, Do not be alarmed, because he is alive. After going upstairs, breaking the bread and eating, Paul talked all night long until dawn. Then he left. They brought the boy home alive and were greatly comforted. Uh, so friends, what we see here first in the text is that God's people are together. We have this crazy story. We've been tracking through the book of Acts for actually a full year now, which is amazing. Praise God that he's still uh, teaching us through his word. But uh, here we have the scene where Paul and companions step into this uh, church where they meet uh, just the people there at Troas. They set with them, and this is actually one of the first mentions that we have of a church gathering on Sunday. They break bread. They take take communion to remember the, uh, what Jesus has done for them. Paul gives this crazy long sermon that only maybe Ricky could compete with. Um, there are lamps in the room which light the room, but it also makes the room really warm. And so Eutychus, probably having his belly full from the meal they ate together, starts to fall asleep. He falls out the window to his death. We have this crazy, weird moment where everything kind of stops. Paul goes down, meets in there, bends over, kind of lays on him awkwardly, and the Spirit of God moves and brings the man back to life. And we've seen uh, multiple different stories like this before in the Scriptures. In the Old Testament, we have the prophets Elijah and Elisha, who do a very similar thing where they just kind of lay on somebody awkwardly and bring them back to life. I don't know if anybody's trying to do that anymore, but it kind of, it's just a weird story. Then we've got more stories where in the New Testament, we see Jesus actually raised three people from the dead, uh, a daughter, a young man, and then Lazarus, the famous story there. And in the book of Acts earlier, we saw the story of Peter doing a very similar thing, where he lays and bends over and asks God to bring Dorcas, the woman, back to life, and so she does. And here we have the same story, a very similar story, with Paul doing the same thing here. It's kind of ironic, because when you look at Eutychus' name, his name means fortune or lucky, and he wasn't so lucky that morning, but God moved and he was raised from the dead. And I can imagine sitting in the room here that the people saw someone die and brought to new life. And so what was their response? To take communion, to remember the, the resurrection that Christ has given to us, that Jesus gave us his body, and he spilled his blood, and he rose on the third day, defeating sin and death so that we could have everlasting life by trusting in him. Faith, not by being the perfect person, not by cleaning yourself up, not by uh, trying to earn his favor, but all by what he did. And by his work, we could have new life. We could be restored. We could have grace given to us that we do not deserve, and yet we get to worship the King of Kings. And that's what that church family did. They responded and saw a real-life resurrection right before their eyes, and they said, now let's go praise the King of Kings who gives us resurrection and life for all of eternity. And so the family responded by taking communion together. Now, the main point here in this section isn't don't fall asleep in church, <laughs> but um, the main point that we see is that people are hungry to gather together. People are hungry to just be with one another. Paul shares about Jesus Christ all night long, 
all night he just keeps going. The people are hungry to hear from God's teaching. The people are hungry to spend time with one another. Paul's investing in them and knows that he wants to soak up every minute with them as he's on his way to Jerusalem. But they all focus on their brothers and sisters in Christ. Friends, Acts 2.42 tells us how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the breaking of bread and gathering together in prayer. And that same thing we see here again that the people are gathering because of Jesus. That's why they're brought together, because they've come to faith in who Christ is. While Eutychus's name uh, means lucky, it wasn't luck that brought him back to life. It was the power and the Spirit of God that brings resurrection, not fortune, not myths, not tales, but the actual power that God has to redeem and save lost people who are far from him, to bring them to himself. That's what we witness here. to just see these people spend intimate time with one another and seeing God do a work in their lives. And it's through Jesus Christ that we today celebrate that same thing, that we get to witness Jesus just move in our hearts and we're all joined together this very morning because we want to worship him, because we want to hear from his word, because we want to rejoice at what he's done and see him continue to do something in our own lives. City Light, can I tell you a story? Amen. There's often times, like this morning, actually, where I'll stand in the back by the doors and I just listen to you guys sing. I just listen to Jesus be praised and worshiped. And I stand back and I go, I don't know how you did this, God, but it's amazing. And, and there's mornings where Jenny or even Hayden did it this morning, they'll step off the mic and it's just us as a church singing. And I just think, man, that's what heaven's going to be like, just roaring with praise to the one true king who we just can't see him do more, and, or we want to see him do more and more, and I'm blown away at the grace of God. Over the last year and a quarter, year and a half, whatever you want to call it, we've seen people meet in our church who did not know each other, who started today, who got engaged and are about to get married to celebrate what Jesus has done, and they're putting Christ at the center of their relationship, and it's amazing to witness. There have been people who have been hurt by other believers, people who have been hurt by the church and other relationships who have come here and the Spirit of God has moved and used this place as a sanctuary and a healing spot to see the ones who are hurting now be brought to healing and redemption and what Christ has done. There have been people time and time again who have walked through these doors who feel like they have no hope to hear of the good hope of Jesus Christ and we just get to watch him write more stories. Church, can I tell you a story? I have a friend whose name is Jared Naveen. Jared started coming to City Light South out of habit. Jared came to our church because he felt like it was something he had to do and it was just a ritual that he got brought up in. Jared felt like he knew what he, like he was doing what he was supposed to do. And in January of 2019, after talking to some people in his city group and huddle, the small groups that we meet in, he, he, was, he realized that what he'd been doing was just all out of habit and trying to please God. And so the men in his group sat him down and said, friend, you don't have to do anything to earn your salvation because Jesus has already done it for you. And so he went home that very night in January of 2019. He opened up his devotional and he read Ephesians 2 where he read about the fact that it's not by our work, but it's by the work that Jesus has done and that we are saved by grace and grace alone. And we could abound and boast in what Christ has done. Jared got on his knees by his bed and came to Christ that very night. And now we've seen Jared's life completely turned around where Jesus is leading him in every aspect of his life. He serves on the kids ministry team. He leads prayer 
for his city group. He serves consistently and just desires to see Jesus do more in his own life. City Light, can I tell you another story? Uh, friends, less than a year ago, uh, I have a friend whose name is Chris Bentle. Little did I know that Chris hadn't been to church in months and maybe even more than a year. But after meeting Chris and talking to him, uh, Chris had shared with me that he felt like God had put him on a shelf and that he was done with him. And he, he was just kind of sitting and walking idly by waiting for the Father to call on him. But the Spirit moved in Chris and Liz's heart that they walked through our doors. They got invited to a city group of really loud, weird, awkward people. And God moved in such a way that Chris has now been part of a city group multiplication, and he's leading people and discipling and encouraging one another in the scriptures and in the word of God, and God is using him, and he sees the Father as someone who is there for him, loves him dearly, and continuing to use him for his mission. Uh, friends, Chris is eager to be on mission and to pursue his neighbors and to have actual gospel, gospel conversations with them. Church, can I tell you another story? Friends, after walking through multiple churches and multiple church plants, Jen Torres felt like she wanted to give up on God's people. Jen Torres had been uh, kind of seeing just hurtful things and damage in the church because guess what? We're all messed up. Uh, and so she started to feel like she had no trust in God's people, in the church specifically. But God moved and brought her to our church, and she was here for a short stint. Uh, Jen has since had to move away because of a job, and she just moved to Arizona. But Jen was refreshed by what the Lord was doing in her life here, and she got plugged into a city group, felt community, and saw God do an amazing work. Friends, she wrote a letter to our church that I'll uh, share with you at some other time. It's a full page long, and so I don't have time to read it all, but this is just a short piece of what she sent to her city group before she moved. She said this, I know God is faithful and all will work out, but the leaving never gets easier. For those who heard Ricky's sermon this, uh, this past Sunday, so a couple of weeks ago, everything he shared about this church body being a place where he would choose to attend, even if he wasn't on a paid staff, is so true for me. Prior to moving to Lincoln, I was in ministry. I was in ministry in various capacities at a handful of other church plants for 18 years. And all I can say is City Light South is the spiritually healthiest church community I've ever been a part of. It has been in a great place of healing for me, and it has restored my hope in the church. So thank you for welcoming me in. Friends, I praise God for the stories that he's continued to write here. Because these are real people with real souls who are being impacted, and the Lord is moving in amazing ways. But I say none of this to boast in you. And I say all of this to boast in Jesus Christ and what he has done and how he's moving. And he's not done. He is not finished because he's still running after more people. And I just want to continue to celebrate what God is doing. I want to share more stories, but you guys would never get to lunch if I continued to do this. So, uh, friends, we see in the book of Acts that God is gathering his people to worship him, to bring them into a family. And we see the people actually gather to desire to spend time with one another 
to just be eager to encourage each other in Christ. And we see that same story happening here just in the short time that we've been a church. And God is not done. He is continuing to run and move, friends. The church is a family to belong to. It's not an audience to just sit at. The church is a family. We don't exist to sit on padded chairs, to stand up here and to listen to some guy talk for 40 minutes, but we exist to multiply disciples, to glorify God, to see him write stories over and over again. We're not just some club to affiliate with, but a family to truly belong to. If you've been a part of our church, if you consider City Light South your home church, and you come here, I want to challenge you to actually get plugged into community if you haven't. I want to challenge you to actually commit to saying, man, I, I want to be on mission with these people. I want to serve with these people. I want to care for these people. And I want these people to also care for me so that we can all turn to Jesus Christ with one another and see Jesus write more stories over and over again because we see God's spirit is continuing to move in this very room. God's spirit is continuing to move in our very neighborhood. God's spirit is continuing to move where his people are because what brings them together also sends them out, church. Our, our newest city group started with about 10 people who barely knew each other. And in the last 10 months, we have witnessed God move in such a way that people are encouraging one another in Christ. Tears have been shed, sin has been confessed, and Christ has been exalted. And we see Jesus continuing to move in more and more lives over and over again, friends, because when he brings them together, he sends them out. So friends, in verses 7 to 12, we see God's people brought together. But in these other two sections, we see Jesus send his people out. So we see God's people at work together. So read with me verses uh, 1 through 6. I doubt I'll read the names as good as Chris did, but let's go for it. Acts 20 verse 1. After the uproar was over, Paul sent for the disciples, encouraged them, and after saying farewell, he departed to go to Macedonia. And when he'd passed through those areas and offered them many words of encouragement, he came to Greece and stayed at three months. The Jews plotted against him when he was still about to set sail for Syria, and so he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus, from Berea, Articus, and Secadonus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy, Antichius, and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These men went ahead and waited for us in Troas, but we set sail away from Philippi after the festival of the unleavened bread. In five days we reached them at Troas, where we spent seven days. This is where we see God's people at work together. Uh, friends, this section's amazing because tr uh, Paul has been traveling, right? We, last week in Acts chapter 19, we had the story of the huge uproar, and people are chanting, Great is Artemis of Ephesus for two hours, and then everything is dismissed and sent away. But Paul here, after the uproar, we see him on mission with his people. We see that Paul is not alone. He's traveling. He's in Greece for three months. He's passing through these different areas, but he's encouraging the disciples. He brings them to himself. He calls them all in, and he says, hey, let's encourage each other because he needs it, they need it, and we need it too. We all need encouragement from one another. But this is awesome because we see a list of people who are from different places, all over the place, Berea, Thessalonica, Derby, Asia. Paul's not running solo. 
He's actually doing mission with other people. It's not just about him, friends. It's not about the pastor, but it's about the power of the Spirit of God at work and moving in people's lives. And God totally moves in such a way that Paul leaves them. He just says, all right, we've preached the gospel. People have been saved and redeemed, and now I'm leaving to go do it somewhere else. And he leaves the church to care and lead for themselves because they're just ordinary people who have heard the good news of Jesus Christ, who are continuing to run after other people. And he uses ordinary people like you and like me to actually encourage each other, to lead one another, to spur each other on towards Jesus and to see the mission of God continue to move forward. And what's really sweet about this section is we get a little further insight into Paul's letters, right? We have all of Paul's letters kind of in the back half of our Bible where he wrote to these different churches. And when we read those, it kind of seems like, okay, he's writing to people but we don't really know who they are or what their life was like. But as we've seen through the book of Acts, we're actually introduced to a lot of these people. We actually see their names and go, oh man, that, that was a real person with a real soul. They actually had their life changed completely. And he's writing to those ordinary people as we are ordinary people as well. So Paul's hope is to go to Jerusalem, right? He, he tells us that at the, uh, I think it's verse uh, 16, where he talks about how he wants to be in Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. And he's heading that way because the church in Jerusalem was struggling with finances. As he's passing through these different cities and these different churches, he's asking if they would help one another. And just like Council Bluffs, at Bluffs asked us, hey, would you partner with us to be on mission? Paul does the same thing to other churches, and that's why we would desire to continue to see church plants happen, to see, hey, yes, our money is not about us, but it's about the kingdom of God, and so let's give to church plants. Let's see God continue to move in new cities, and we got to hear stories of that this morning. So I praise the Lord, but Paul's main thing isn't to just go get money and then leave the people, but he desires to be with them. This whole uh, last section, right, verses 13 to 16, Paul decides to not set sail, but he walks. He walks to spend more time with the people in Troas. He takes his time because he desires to invest in people and to soak up every minute he can. But in verse 1 of chapter 20, we kind of see the story set, uh, set its way towards Macedonia. And then when we cross-reference that with uh, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, we see that's exactly when he wrote the letter to the second, the second letter to the Corinthians that we have. Then in verses 2 and 3, uh, his stay in Greece, if you cross-reference that with Romans chapter 15 and 16, you actually get to see his three-month stay in Greece is when he wrote the letter to the Romans. It's crazy cool for us to have our eyes open in such a way that allows us to see, man, these are real people he's traveling with and spending time with, but they're at work together. At, towards the end of the book of Romans, in chapter 15, verses 14 to 21, Paul encourages uh, the church there, and he says, man, God's done an amazing work. The gospel's been proclaimed. People's lives have been totally changed. He boasts in the spirit of God and what God is doing uh, that people are being saved. People are being healed by miraculous uh, just wonders and more people are coming to faith in Christ. And how he ends that section in Romans chapter 15, verse 21, he ends with a prophecy reminding them that God's not done yet, right? He says, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. He reminds them that there's more work to be done, that he has seen God do an amazing work. And can you imagine, Paul's been traveling for years. He's probably exhausted. 
He's going from church to church, being persecuted time and time again. He's been beaten. He's been bruised. He's been thrown in jail. And he says, God's not done. And so I'm pressing on forward. Church, we have seen God do an amazing thing here in about a year and a half. But guess what? He's not done. He's continuing to press forward, and he's going to use his people to write more stories. And he's going to use the Spirit of God within us to continue to pursue others and see more people be saved, to know that Jesus Christ is the King of kings, Lord of lords. Church, I don't think our temptation is going to be to start teaching some funky doctrine. I I really don't. But I think our temptation as a church is going to be that we're going to settle, and we're going to sit. And we'll get more interested in playing church, and we're going to forget about the mission of God. We're going to be more interested in just hanging out with each other and staying here and getting comfortable rather than thinking that there's more lost people out on the streets. Friends, our temptation is going to be to stay stagnant in our city groups and say, I'm really comfortable with these people, so I don't want to multiply to a new neighborhood. I don't want to actually run after people who I don't know and pursue them in hopes that Jesus would save and redeem them, friends. Our temptation might be to start caring about a bigger building with more storage space, and our temptation might be to sit here and to say, man, this is a really nice place. I just want my kids to grow up and be really comfortable and just to get to know each other. But we ignore the fact that there are people who are lost with no hope, who don't know Jesus, who haven't given their life to him, and their eternity is completely lost far away from him. Friends, the win is not a bigger parking lot. The win is not an addition to our building. The win is not having better lights so there's no shadows on my face. The win is not having a better sound equipment or the perfect camera, but the win is seeing Jesus write more stories like the ones I shared earlier. That is the win, seeing more lost people brought to faith in Jesus Christ himself. The win is sacrificing comfortability so that we would see Jesus run after more people and that he would use us and that we would just see them see the hope of life that we would hear more stories of what Christ has done, that we would see him redeem over and over and over again. Friends, I'm not here to be a pastor, to stand on some really nice platform and do nothing with it, but I'm here to see more lost people be found. I'm here to see the hopeless find hope in Jesus. I'm here to see the anxious brought to peace by the Prince of Peace. I'm here to see the ones who don't know Jesus realize that he has come to bring the kingdom and watch heaven get a little more crowded. I'm here to see the reckless captive be redeemed by the Savior, Jesus alone. That's what I'm here for, church. Is that the mission that we're all here for, to continue to see Jesus keep running after people? Or are we here to get comfortable? Friends, we look at our city, we look at our neighborhood, we look at our our workplaces, and there are people who don't know Christ, who are far from him. He has sent us on a mission to continue to make disciples, to multiply disciples and see Jesus do it over and over again. City Light, can I tell you a story? There's a family that's about to move into a house that just got sold just on the east side of our building. Friends, I imagine a story being written where we're able to go knock on the door, welcome them into the neighborhood and say, here's some cookies, here's who we are. We love you. If you need anything, we're here. I imagine a story where those people maybe walk into our doors on a Sunday morning and hear the good news of Jesus Christ preached, 
that he came to save lost people, broken people, messy people who aren't perfect. He came to save those who are redeemed and far away from him. He came to save those who feel like they try to have to try to earn his favor. But friends, he's looking to them with open arms and saying, come on home. Friends, I imagine a story where those people continue to hear the good news of Christ preached to where we get to celebrate and rejoice and witness a baptism of them proclaiming Christ in their, as their Lord and Savior and seeing that they were dead and that they were now alive and they get plugged into a community of people in a city group. And through that city group, people encourage them, disciple them, equip them, and raise them up. And a city group leader says, hey, I'm not going to lead. I want you to lead. Would you take this by the ropes? And so they're encouraged and they continue to raise up other people and disciple and encourage others. And we're able to bring on a church planting resident where we see God move in such a way to where uh, that person then's developed and equipped and sent out. And the people that moved into that very house are then then selling their home to go with a church plant that's far away and not comfortable. Friends, that's a story that I want to see God do in our neighborhood. I want to see us run after people and just hope that Jesus would change lives, that he would write more stories like the ones I shared earlier today, that he would do that in our neighborhood here in our church, and that he would do that with your neighborhood, with your neighbors, with the people who are right next to you, that God would redeem and save the lost time and time again, and that he would get all the glory, because those are really cool stories, but the glory is not for us. It's all for him. And to see him save more people time and time again. Friends, I'm praying that God would do that. That he would write stories over and over again because he's not done. He is not done. We're a year and a half in. We've seen God move in amazing ways. But we see here at Acts, ordinary people from all over the place coming together. Why? For the kingdom to see his name preached, to see more people come to faith in Jesus and to realize, man, I've been walking in such a way and realize there's someone else who's looking to me, who loves me, who cares for me, who died for me, and who gives me life with him for all of eternity. To see Jesus write more stories over and over again. Let's not fall into the temptation of getting comfortable, but let's actually be led by the Spirit to see Jesus do a work in our life. Let's continue to uh, just pursue uncomfortability in such a way that we say yes to maybe some leadership that we're not sure if we can actually figure out how to do it. Let's say yes to actually seeing Jesus do a work in our hearts so that we run after more people. Let's say yes to church planting. Let's say yes to multiplication. Let's say yes to seeing Jesus use us, even though we're not confident in ourselves. But to trust that the Spirit of God is more powerful than the doubt we may have in our own hearts and our own lives. To see Jesus get all the glory and more people come to see him for who he is and we get to hear more stories. Church, can you imagine that story? Can you imagine to see what Jesus has next for us? A city group multiplication in Hickman, Nebraska, where he raises up people and continues to plant more churches, where we get to celebrate and rejoice church plants in Crete, where we get to celebrate and rejoice church plants in Nebraska City or Syracuse, Grand Island, West Lincoln, Seward, Denver, Atlanta, the Philippines, China, East Asia, that we get to rejoice that Jesus is asking more stories, not just in our city, not just in our state, but across the world, that we would plant churches that continue to go to the ends of the earth. City Light, can you imagine that story? Let's pray that God would bring that. Lord, 
I think of just my own story, Jesus. Over the last three years, how you've moved in my own heart and you've used ordinary people to welcome me into their home, to show me love that I probably never experienced, that you used ordinary people to point me to you and to call me into caring for my wife well, that you used ordinary people to teach me how to laugh endlessly and realize that you're the one who brings joy that you used ordinary people to call me to a mission that I thought was too big for myself, and yet you used someone who has no idea what they're doing to just share the good news of Jesus Christ and watch you save and redeem people time and time again. Lord, would you write that story over and over again? Would you use a church in South Lincoln, a small group of people, to change the world? Would you fill us with your spirit? Would we trust that we could be completely confident in what you do? Would we trust that you can move? Would we trust that you actually want to save and redeem more people? Would we trust that you truly bring hope, Jesus? Would we ask you to do more, God, because we know that you're not finished with us? We know that you haven't put us on a shelf, but we know that you are charging us forward and trusting us to continue the mission forward, to care for one another, to actually sit with each other late nights and go to bed super late because we just have such a love for one another in this building, God. But would we also have such a love for the people outside of this building that we run after them, that you use us in such a way to build relationships, to share your good news, that people would come to Christ and that we would get to just celebrate more stories being written because we know that you are a God who tells stories time and time again, Jesus. Would you do that in our church? Would we get to celebrate and rejoice at the stories that you are writing? God, we ask this in your beautiful name. Amen.